Come in. Welcome to Attica Shrug, the podcast about Southern culture and politics this week. Um, with me, as always, are David Dykes. Hello. And Chad Watson. Howdy, y'all. And I'm Wes Cheek. I'm here uh, in New Orleans waiting for, apparently we're having a giant hailstorm and severe windstorm coming, but it has not showed up yet. So I'm just sitting here waiting for it. We'll see. So something crazy happens during the show. Uh, that's it's what it coming. Was. It's coming. It's a hard rain's going to fall. Yeah. So uh, Happy hurricane season. Yeah, thank you. We are beginning hurricane season. I'm ready. Uh, ben, Alberto kind of kicked us off right. Um, mm-hmm. Got everyone to go down to uh, out to Costco and get their water bottles. And mm-hmm. then never showed up. It was a nice sunny weekend. Uh, so Destin didn't get a, even get like a little bit of a storm? Destin got rain. I heard New Orleans got sunshine. Oh, okay. Uh, we had a, a week of sunshine, but we had the crazy lightning storm a few weeks beforehand, like uh, on the first day of Bio Boogaloo, that blew Bio Boogaloo away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. When rest, I said, "Oh, okay," I didn't mean to power. sound um, disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed that I, Destin has about a ten foot storm surge a coming, and I'm waiting for it. One day a rain will come and wash away. Wash them. Well, it did flood. Alberto flooded like Western North Carolina. There were some I, pretty bad floods. Yeah, so that, like, uh, that yeah. dam up above Asheville was uh, yeah. looking bad, right? Well, I kept yeah. seeing people in Asheville uh, checking in as safe, so mm-hmm. I assumed something was going on there. On my, on my mm-hmm. Facebook feed, I have uh, Asheville friends who are apparently safe. That just means they... Um, never mind, I was going to make an Asheville hippie joke, and I'm going to restrain myself. No too soon ah that just means they figured out how to use deodorant <laughs> that isn't patchouli that's a, I think that's checking uh, in is sure <laughs> <laughs> so Chad how's uh, Houston Houston is okay we've uh, hurricane season is here and it's it's now like we have a heat index of 305 yeah, yeah. um and I think it's like just being out in a microwave. It's like tra- being trapped in a microwave. And um, I had yesterday I had to, well, I didn't, well, did I have to? Yes, I was at uh, my high school graduate, my the high school that I work at, not my high school that I went to, graduation. <laughs> did you graduate uh, or did you just decide that you were finished? <laughs> I decided I was finished. <laughs> and... And it was it was just un- like we they kept all the kids outside like until like it was one of those every high school in the district graduates and oh, like our wow. high school was our high school got to be last and so oh, yeah so the kids were made to stand like stand outside and um, yeah like it was like a, yeah, it microwave. really was like a heat index yeah a heat index of one hundred and five in like s- jackets and ties and. Uh, <laughs> Um, Texas the, graduation. Uh, the robes. Yeah, the robes and, yeah. Sounds nice. That's uh, pleasant. Yeah, it was pleasant. It's a nice personal touch to have everyone graduate at once inside of a giant football stadium. <laughs> inside of a gigantic football stadium, yeah, in which they closed half of it off. Half of it was closed off. Do people bring giant uh, air horns and cowbells to your graduations? They did, yes. Nice. They do, yes. They did. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, 900, I think, no, 850 seniors graduated from my high sc- from the high school that I teach at. Did they, they call them all by name? name? Yeah. Yes, they call them all oh by name. Oh, my Lord. All of them. Oh, my Every Lord. one of them. Wow. It took about 30 minutes just to call their name, about 30, maybe 45 minutes to call all their names. Did uh, any of the black kids dance and someone shoved them off the stage? Yeah. <laughs> No, they did dance, but nobody was shoved off the stage. That I thought I you guys saw. had a special uh, guy hired in Texas that shoved the black people <laughs> off stage guy. Or a sniper. We just have a, a sniper. sniper. <laughs> we have one. <laughs> the lone survivers up there yeah, in the rafters. Lone we'll, we'll survive, yeah. Um, I imagine at graduation in Dallas, the ghost of Chris Kyle takes out at least one or two. Yeah. yeah first, he has a uh, first, ki- first dab, first dab he sees, <laughs> shoot to kill. <laughs> Well, you can't tell. Like it looks like when the uh, principal's handing off the diploma, it could be an IED. <laughs> That's right. It could be. You don't know what he's got under that robe. Yeah. You don't know if he. You know what he's wired with. Right. Um, Chris Kyle's ghost just lurks on top of random football stadiums. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shooting hajis. <laughs> yep. Quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we lost him. <laughs> So, so David, how's in Mexico? Uh, it's I good. I say it's, the country, the whole the entire country. It's as hot as it gets here in San Miguel, which is uh, not like being inside a microwave, but it's still hot. And yesterday, I went to a friend's house and brought a big bag full of white liquor and juices and stuff, and we tried to figure out what was the best drink that you could possibly make um, uh, for a very, very hot weather. And after a lot of experimentation, it ended up just being good gin with good tonic. Uh, so it was a little anticlimactic, but still, it, the uh, it's all it's all in the adventure, you know. It's all it's all in the journey rather than the destination. And yeah, that's, uh, I, I think Gandalf said that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and let's see, uh, tomorrow's our graduation. Our entire senior class is graduating, so we'll have one person. <laughs> uh, but we're going to say his name and yeah. keep him from uh, dabbing. And um, yeah. I got a house, guest co- a house guest coming. Friend of the podcast, Mae Fulton, is coming to spend 10 days with me, which will be super nice. Oh, wow. That's great. And yeah, that's um, awesome. yeah, that's the news. That's all the news that's fit to print from Mexico. As far mm-hmm. as I know, nothing else is happening in Mexico except it's hot and I have a house guest coming. Uh, it's so hot here. We've reached like the stage of like giant cockroaches congregating around the door, trying to get into the air conditioning. I think they're trying to get in. I don't know. They're like all over the back door. So I, I immediately I bought like once the fam- my my family's in Japan for the summer. So once they left, I went and bought like all the high powered bug spray I could get and like just sprayed the back stairs in the kitchen. Uh, and it's worked for like a day or two, but we'll see. Now that it's raining, they'll probably find another way in. But yeah, it's giant active cockroach season. They're going hard. And I had, uh, speaking of the heat, I had left a bottle of water in my car. Um, actually, after this was after the graduation, and I drank. I was like, oh, I was so thirsty. So, so I opened. Hot water. <laughs> I drank the bottle of water, and it burned my lips. Like it was that <laughs> hot. It was hot, so hot. It, I was like, well, it's it's gonna be warm. I was thinking, it's well, it's gonna be warm, and it's gonna be gross. But I, I'm thirsty. <laughs> But it like burned. My lips were burned. Like I, I burned my lips like on this bottle of water that had been sitting in my car for three hours. 
Yeah, that is one thing I was thinking. I did the bottle of water this weekend as well, and I'm thinking it's an actual. We can do something actual constructive as three southerners here and give people the tip of when is this hot outside and you're going in somewhere, you take your bottle of water in with you. I had to remember to do this on Saturday so that you yeah. won't have to drink the hot car bottle of water. Yeah, with all the all the BPA boiled in and yeah. whatever. Yeah, all the good. I mean, goodness, all the goodness boiled in. Yeah, so I've been um, teaching out in Biloxi this semester, so I'm getting the full the full dose. I'm getting the full. I'm driving to Mississippi two days a week. Like yeah. just for the day. I teach uh, twice a week, and the class is from like six to eight fifty, so for like three hours. But like night school. Night school. Uh, it's mostly guys on the GI Bill because they got the base out there at the VA hospital. Oh, those are good students usually. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, I like it a lot. And I like to drive because I don't take the interstate. I go down 90. The chef, for those of you familiar with New Orleans, is the chef. I take 90 and go down the beach the whole way. Oh, yeah, so that sounds a nice drive. Look at, looking at the Gulf. It's good. And, like, uh, everyone out there is super nice. And it's only, like, seven people in class. They're mostly uh, former military. And so it's different than usual student body. And, and yeah, they're super nice. I mean... Um, yeah, one one thing I found talking to them is like you know we have very different politics and all that stuff, but they're really good students and are are uh, interested in listening and show up for class and stuff. So it's good. I like it. I have more thoughts on that than that, but I will uh, keep it brief for today. We can talk about it. I I have thoughts on how um, having a broad left uh, structural framework for your politics is a lot better to discuss uh, with people you have political differences with than having like. Um, rooting interest in potential candidates. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I like I have no problem talking to them about like, because uh, it's a sociology of disasters class. I talk to them all the time about how like um, development, like re- development, uh, like resorts and things like that and like property values, how that kind of like fuels disasters being worse, especially hurricanes, because people want to buy waterfront property and build expensive stuff on it and insure it. Um, and they have absolutely no problem with that. So it's so much easier to talk in those terms than it is to say, but Obama did this and Trump did this. Uh, right? Well, yeah. That's my brief version of it, my argument. Uh, so anyway, today on our show, since we haven't been doing this show in a while, and by the way, we passed our one-year anniversary, so there you go. Happy oh, anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary. I think once we pass the one-year anniversary, we get 10,000 guaranteed um, listeners a week. So it's going to be great. Uh Somebody and, pointed yeah, out that. to me the other day that um, we'd probably have more listeners if we did promotion, which seems kind of radical. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's always hard when you have really bad capitalists doing a, um, I mean, people who I are would, bad at um, capitalism doing a show. Guess what, David? You're now the... Uh, promotions you're now you're, you're now the... You've been promoted to promotions manager. Woo-hoo. So there we go. We did a promotion. <laughs> like um, uh, Herb Charlson, was that his name? At WKRP. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's you. Yeah. There we, we go. We get all of our we job titles off of WKRP in Cincinnati. Yep. I'm the overnight DJ. Venus Flytrap. And my official title. Uh, Venus Flytrap. <laughs> Venus for sure. And then Les Nessman. Um, With the news? Here in oh, Houston. Chad, you can... Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, since we've been, we were off for a little bit because uh, I couldn't compete with the schedule around my two-year-old who seemed to be, all of a sudden decided he didn't know how to sleep anymore. 
Um, so we've been off for a little bit. So we thought we'd ease back into it by doing a discussion of each of our uh, top five favorite TV shows set in the South. Um, and as I think we all found out looking at this, there's not very many good TV shows set in the South, <laughs> which seems to be a, an issue. What's the problem? There's so much there. I think, what, what do you think it might be? Do you think there's just like not... There's probably not that many writers. Do you think there's that many Southern writers? I don't know. Producers? <laughs> What's the problem? Nothing ever happens in the South. That's true. That's true. Well, so do you want to do what you used to do? And we'll just go around and we'll go five, four, three, two, one on each of ours? Well, that sounds good. Um, I think there's going to be... Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of overlap because there's not that many shows and we have very similar taste. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so that being said, um, hey, I'm going to start this time with my number five. Uh, in the, uh, so my number five is Miami Vice, um, because we've talked about a lot on here that like is South Florida really part of the South? Well, no, in a lot of ways, and yes, in some ways. But I really like Miami Vice, and Michael, it's, you know, Michael Mann did it. I love Michael Mann as a director, and you know, looking back at it, it's a very dated show. But at the time, it seemed like very advanced. It was um, dark and uh, a little weird, and very stylish. Uh, and I definitely had a Miami Vice suit when I was in second or third grade. You and Phil Collins. School. Mm-hmm, me and Phil Collins. We were, I had the Phil Collins tape, too, so there you go. Uh, but I also think Miami Vice did one of those things that I thought Scarface did very well, where it captured kind of the fusion of this, like, influx of drug money in South Florida and, like, real estate interest and also, like, the country bumpkin-ness of South Florida that still kind of remained from its formative age. Uh, like the white country bumpkins who control kind of like law enforcement and stuff, merging uh, with like the Caribbean influence and also all of the migrant workers. And then you had all of this kind of drug crime that was taking place with the Reagan drug wars and, and the growing economy of South Florida, largely based on like real estate. So I thought, I think Miami Vice is a interesting show about Florida, which is also part of the South, even though it's a strange, strange match. So yeah, my number five is Miami Vice. So why don't we go to Chad next? It's funny. Um, my number five is a little show about two best friends just out solving crimes. Crockett and Tubbs? In, in, the, in the solving crimes in the Vice unit. Crockett and Tubbs, dressing nice. Oh. You know, every, uh, every, every once in a while... Uh, you know, somebody they would fall in love with, uh, was it Helena Bonham Carter or oh, yeah. Sheila E? Yeah, Sheila E would show up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just think of when I think of, yeah, it makes me think of Florida. I mean, the bad, like, maybe yeah. not the Florida. Yeah, it the makes me think parts. of Florida. The, the good, good parts. parts of Florida. The good parts, the cocaine. The, That's uh, where you fell in love with Helena Bonham Carter. That's right. Good On cocaine. Yeah, that's where I fell in love with cocaine. <laughs> and uh, funny, funny, mo- funny uh, informants, funny CIs, um, funny CIs, guys in van, guys in uh, vans listening to uh, the funny CIs. And, and yeah, it was, yeah. Like, I definitely think, like, I think I wanted, I was thinking of all the shows that take place in Miami, and that was really the show that, that <laughs> stood out. To me. All and the actually, shows that take place in Miami, like Golden Girls. Golden. Well, I was thinking of Golden Palace, the uh, the spinoff of with uh, Cheech Marin when they after the Golden <laughs> Girls, yeah. when it had with Cheech Marin and um, Don I think Cheadle. Don Cheadle and 
Who? Which one left? Was it? I think Dorothy left. Dorothy left, and um, and it was they opened a hotel. I think somewhere in Miami, and. Um, Somebody pointed out on Twitter today that Don Cheadle's the only person who's part of the Golden Girls universe and the Marvel universe. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's that's not true because th- it's the same universe. <laughs> I guess you're right. But there's only yeah, one because, universe. Um, because oh. at the end of Wait, is Neil deGrasse Tyson on this podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I just, yeah, and I loved, like, yeah, Miami Vice was, it was, uh, when I was a young child, it was must-see TV. It was destination television. And I stand by the movie update version. I like the Michael Mann Miami Vice movie. I, I, I didn't see it. I did not I see it. I saw that movie, and I never saw Miami Vice. I never watched an episode of Miami Vice, but I... Uh, did you like the movie okay? I mean, you know, I think it was what it was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was over the top, and it was kind of silly, and it was really stylized, Yeah, I liked it. And I imagine that, that's what I imagined the TV show to be. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's complete, like, Michael Mann stuff, right? So, like, he's such a kind of a, um, I think he knows what he's doing as a director. He's such a good director that I think when there are excesses, like, he intends them to be excesses, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not unintentional. All right, yeah. good. So, uh, David, if your number five is Miami Vice, I'm going to be very surprised. Yeah, since I never saw the show, that although the, <laughs> my number five comes with an apology, I'm sure it'll appear higher up on somebody else's list. But uh-huh. it's a show that I could only watch two episodes of because it gives me PTSD, and I just can't okay. watch it. But it's Treme, and I know it's a great show, and I know from uh-huh. what I watched that it was great, but I just can't watch it because I was there and it just stirs up too much stuff. But I put it on the list yeah, because sure. uh, I thought it was deserving of a mention and um, uh, I'm excited about the show, but I can't watch it. So so I'll leave it for probably somebody else to talk about more. Well, I'm glad you included it because I completely forgot it. And I was trying to think of shows that are set in Louisiana. I'm like, oh, and I forgot uh, Treme. So I'm glad you included it on there because I did not. But I think what you're saying about it is a pretty common view. Like, I mean, there's a pretty big split among New Orleanians on it, right? Um, yep. Well, different splits. Like, one, there are people who don't like it. Two, there are people like you who say, I can't watch it. And I've heard that a lot. People who say, like, no, I was here. I can't watch it. And then... I think I've told you before, I was at a John Boutet show, and some of the Treme people were there, and he gave a very good, I think, defense of it, saying that, think about all of the very, very local uh, musicians who we now have these great, high-quality recordings of that we wouldn't have otherwise. I think his example was Coco Robichaux, who died, you know, during the filming, but you have these great performances from him on Treme, and John Boutet himself, who would not, you know, have as much of a national profile if not for Treme. Well, I think it was as good a show about New Orleans as there's been probably just because, like, I think one of the problems with shows about the South Mm. is that the South stands for so much and for so many things to other people in the country that it's very Mm. hard to get the South as it exists. Instead, you get the South as this theoretical place where, um, you know, the racial divide is absolute or this theoretical place where... Uh, you know, all the sheriffs are Jackie Gleason. And uh, and so I think that's one of the problems with uh, Southern shows. And I don't think Treme does that. And I think uh, some of the other ones on my list 
do that, but they're still really good. Yeah, and I know one of the complaints about Treme was that it doesn't have a plot, but that was one of my favorite things about it because that felt very New Orleans as well, right? Like, I don't feel like we have a plot uh, a lot of the times. <laughs> and one of my favorite episodes is the, uh, I think it's the first season Mardi Gras episode where uh, um, Davis Rogan uh, is in his parents' backyard, like uptown in the Garden District, and like feeling like trapped by the uptown Mardi Gras and like trying to get downtown as quickly as possible. Uh, and it's a very, very accurate, accurate scene. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Uh, so I guess it's back to me, number four. Um, I I hemmed and hawed about number four. I put some different ones in there, and then I was thinking about it, and I had to kind of go back in time to think about it, but I'm putting King of the Hill, number four. I am. Yeah, I'll so King of the, yeah, King of the Hill is just... Um, very accurate in so many ways and in the way Mike it Mike Judge is uh, really perceptive of how people are and act and I thought it was um you know in the same way the Simpsons is kind of a loving portrait of a of a dumbass um, King of the Hill is kind of a, you know a very affectionate view of, of kind of a probably very problematic southerner in Hank Hill and all of the characters uh, especially Boomhauer ring Ring very yeah. true. Uh, and yeah, the whole thing is just kind of, I think, uh, really, a really honest portrait, but of course, very funny and also um, affectionate. So, yep, number four, King of the Hill. Chad. Uh, mine is, well, actually, we'll talk about, I'll put it at number four, uh, Treme. I put Treme at number four, and I watched oh, all of Treme. And I didn't know, yeah, I was kind of nervous to put it out there since uh, against. Uh, to one former New Orleans resident and one current New Orleans resident, and me as someone who has only visited New Orleans never for more than a few days at a time. Uh, but I like that. I mean, I'm a big David Simon fan. Um, and My yeah, neighbor, I, David Simon. Yeah, your neighbor. Uh, does he? He lives. Uh, he he rents Beyonce's house. Like he rents out. Like he rents. The, no, he lives, he lives around garage. the other corner. She lives to the left. He lives kind of over to the right. A little bit to the right. Hmm. Yeah, I want um, uh, Yeah, so <laughs> I. Uh, he also every time I bring that up on Twitter, he completely ignores me for like weeks at a time. Like, we'll be having a conversation on Twitter. I'm like, by the way, I think I'm your neighbor. So, Shut down. Well, at least he didn't block you. At least he hasn't blocked. Yeah. At least he didn't no. do that. Um, but no, I liked. I liked. I mean, the music. I thought the music was well, and I thought like the that story. I mean, like the story. Like, there's not a lot happened, but it's like a portrait of. I mean a portrait of you know real people or i thought what mm-hmm. i what i think are real what seem to be real people and yeah. you know and in many cases are real people are people. real people yeah. Yeah. yeah and like i said i love the wire i don't know maybe the wire is not an honest portrayal of like baltimore mm-hmm. uh but i don't know i really i and i i liked i liked the sort of the individual stories and and uh, even though there was yeah there wasn't much of an overall plot and I identified with many of the characters in the um, in there. Um, yeah, and I think for a lot of people who watch it, it's frustra- It can be frustrating because, like, you know, there's not much progression. There's not much happening. Things are kind of stalled out. But that's kind of an accurate view of New Orleans, both before and post Katrina. Is that right? There's it's hard to achieve forward progress in anything. Yeah, and also kind of like in growing up, and it's like kind of one thing. This may not have this may have not stuck with as many people, but. Uh, a little bit of my, my past. I grew like I have I have family that are in the real estate business and are also mm-hmm. trying to help the community, and 
and then but also through the, they're trying to help the community through the real estate business and kind of those two <laughs> things are not always compatible compatible you and i really ever? kind of the ever or ever <laughs> yeah ever uh, maybe maybe in the golden girls universe but not in this universe uh, and so I really I liked the guy who the guy who came and he's like oh I'm gonna help I'm gonna be like a roofer and then he ended up being like a kind yeah. of like a like a, no, uh, <laughs> uh, well he was like a basically he was like involved with all the real estate right you know crookery swindle. yeah the real the big real estate so the jazz I guess the jazz center like swindle and all that and. And kind of like, well, I'm really doing a good thing by helping people out through capitalism, and right. yeah, but but no, you're not. No, I'm not really helping people. And yeah, yeah. Oh, is this something else about Tremere? Oh, oh, we were. Um, this is another long story. We can talk about it in another episode. But uh, my kid's school was closing down. Maybe it's not closing down now. So we were having to tour lots of other elementary schools this past week, and one of them we were touring. Uh, Davis Rogan's the piano teacher for the elementary school there. <laughs> <laughs> and so they told us that, and I started laughing, and they said, oh, you know Davis. Well, I was like, well, I know him from around town, I guess. Anyway. So, all right. Treme, all right. very good. Treme. Okay, good. So, David, what is your number four? My number four is also King of the Hill. Um, yeah, there you go. And for the reasons that you said and for what I was talking about uh, where it takes on the South as it is rather than standing for something. And also mm-hmm. I think that the, the, the redneck is um, such a type and such a villain in so much of popular culture that to mm-hmm. have a redneck protagonist who is a sweetheart, like so many rednecks mm-hmm. I know, uh, is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And his... And his uh, sort of bewilderment and frustration at the fact that the modern world keeps creeping in on the edges of his world um, are pretty great. Um, th- that his son's a weirdo and that his um, uh, neighbor is Laotian <laughs> and all the rest. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, you know, uh, is it Peggy? Peggy Hill is Peggy Yeah. Hill? She's such a, a good character, too. Like, she's like, you know, a real woman, right? She has different kind of conflicting emotions and ideas and things yep and substitute teacher boggle champion a woman who wears <laughs> many hats yeah, i haven't watched it in so long but uh Bo- boomhauer is the neighbor right boomhauer Boom- yeah. boomhauer is one and then dale is the one who's a paranoid um, um vet or maybe not maybe he's not even a vet he just kind of acts like he's a vet. yeah i don't think he's a yeah those two are so absolutely accurate. As over the top as they are, they are so absolutely accurate as the people that I knew growing up. Yep. Like the paranoid vet, of course, and then uh, the almost unintelligible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, good. So is it back to me already? Yep. Yeah, we're back. All right, number three for me. Uh, I had almost forgotten about this and then realized how horrible it would be to leave this off. I think this is, in the end, the absolute most accurate one on my list. But it's Eastbound and Down. Kenny Powers. <laughs> Eastbound and Down. Set in South Carolina. Uh, and I tried a few years ago, David, to get you sold on this show. I couldn't get you into it. So I think you have to watch more than two episodes to get into it. I think you're it probably right. Slow. Yeah. It builds kind of slowly. <laughs> but 
you know, if you haven't seen it, the whole thing's based. Or it's, it's based. It was written because of uh, John Rocker, the relief pitcher for the Braves, who went on a racist tirade about having to ride the subway in New York, um, and then kind of flamed out on baseball and felt uh, that he'd just been completely wronged by political correctness. And so, Eastbound uh, and Down is about Kenny Powers, whose ball ball career is kind of fading, and he dreams about getting it back, but he's just completely oblivious to like his own hubris. <laughs> and uh, ends up kind of in, and I think it's uh, a great lead-in to kind of the Trump years. I think it was very predictive of the Trump years, where it was kind of southern, almost upwardly mobile, middle-class people whose goal in life was to like own a jet ski, like that kind of dipshit culture, which we've seen <laughs> come to the forefront now, yeah. where it was completely self-centered, completely stupid. Uh, completely just devoid of any kind of, I don't know, real ideas about, <laughs> I don't know, real ideology at all other than that we are going to strive to be upwardly mobile just for the the idea that we can own like a, a, a home and a, a jet ski and uh, a giant chrome a, truck, giant chrome truck and our kids won't have to go to school with black people. And that's kind of all we have to achieve. And then, you know. What when I realized it was a genius show, I think it was in the, one of the first few episodes when Kenny Powers flames out and needs some alone time, and so he gets on the jet ski and just rides around the man-made lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just tearing around the little jet ski. Uh, so it, if you haven't seen it before, just watch the whole show. And then he, he ends up in Mexico for a season, yeah. right? trying to play the Mexican leagues. Um, and then he never, never, ever gains self-awareness once at all through the entire show which i think is also accurate yeah even to like even to the like the finale even to the uh the finale which i think is probably one of the greatest like finales um of all (laughs) time watch it again Um, oh yeah he never never ever once becomes self-aware uh and i think for all the hope we hold out for the trump voter demographic i think that is the the end result is going to be there's self-awareness will never come uh, but yeah, Eastbound and Down, absolutely great class. One of the best shows ever made. That's my number three. Chad? I will say, um, guess what? Um, you're out. Wasn't that it from Kenny Powell? Like, he said, you're out. <laughs> no, you're, yeah. you're out. It was uh, Eastbound and Down was number <laughs> Eastbound and Down was my number three. We're too I thought, predictable. I was really kind of, I didn't know, like, where, like, maybe I, it could have easily, I could have almost put it at number one, just yeah, how, should, like, yeah, just, absolutely. yeah, that these were, like, if I had known anybody that could have, like, anybody I grew up with, if they'd been able to, like, pitch, like, it could have <laughs> been, easily could have been, like, Kenny Powers. Exactly. And, um, and often yeah. are without the athletic ability. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, I know a lot of people that are Kenny Powers that can't, uh, that can't pitch, and, and, um... And just yeah, and everything, everything he did, uh, even his his uh, foils, uh, the car dealership guy, and uh, <laughs> um, and uh, love interests, his love interests, yeah, and getting high and going to the junior high dance, <laughs> yeah, <I>, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it was yeah something that I definitely maybe I couldn't personally identify, but I could definitely identify who had, who I knew that could identify. Yeah. And we should point out the uh, title of the show is taken from the theme song to Smokey and the Bandit, so that always counts for something. Yep. Um, and Good as choice. an 
and as an Atlanta Brave, uh, as a long as a long uh, suffering Atlanta Brave, uh, Atlanta Braves fan, um, or maybe I should say Atlanta Baseball Club, the Atlanta Baseball Club uh, fan, I could definitely and having to suffer through the John Rocker, or <laughs> maybe <laughs> suffer. Well, yeah, having to suffer through the John Rocker uh, years, it was definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. You know, the allegation has been made against the Atlanta Braves that they do try to stock themselves up on players that will appeal to their fan base. Yeah. Um, and so they are a bit overloaded on rednecks and good old boys at times. I think that's been said about the Houston Astros as well, right? Like they try yeah. to always have a Nolan Ryan type. Yeah. Clark, Nolan Ryan type. They have some types. Like, yeah, like Houston Astros is a little more... They can kind of... They have they have Jose Altuve and... Uh, right other people but uh and the rest but yeah they they are kind of yeah they got some some meathead uh meathead but guys. i imagine baseball is a pretty chock full of that as well right so. yeah it's easy to find <laughs> but that's a whole nother my uh my my trouble my the the troubles i have with my my atlanta baseball club that's we should also one. say a uh, league leading atlanta league Braves. leading league leading to make things even more complicated <laughs> just when just when i thought i was oh just when i thought i was over them they're uh, <laughs> pulling you back in. They're pulling me they're back exciting in. Exciting play. <laughs> they're exciting play. And they're all right. So, all right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah sorry, he's bound down was great. You. He's bound down was great. David, your number three? My number three is the Andy Griffith show. It's um, yep. old and it's uh, corny and it's um, very, very white and there's plenty of stuff to criticize about it. But it's consistently funny and sweet and it's based completely on characters. And actually, mm. these days, I listen to a lot of old radio shows and stuff. And Howard McNear, mm. who played uh, Floyd the Barber, he's in everything right. if you listen back. And um, uh, a lot of this stuff, yeah, they're old voice actors and one thing and another. And they uh, are just these sort of extreme characters. And the interaction between them is where the humor comes from and all. There's never anything too much at stake, which when I was a kid and used to watch it in reruns all the time... I'd get really anxious about things like the Lucy show where she was always in trouble and stuff. And mm. um, with Barney, I had a few moments with him too. But uh, generally mm. speaking, I found it um, very watchable when I was a kid. And it its heart's very much in the right place. Andy Griffith is about as likable a guy as you can imagine, both, I think, yeah. in front of him, behind the camera. Um, yeah, good characters. Uh, started Ron Howard's career who's uh, now on Arrested Development, so that's good. Uh, just, Started Clint Howard's career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, as um, um, it's it's just like a good, sweet, solid old show, one of my favorite old uh, sitcoms. Well, I guess I should tell you that my number two choice was The Andy Griffith Show. Well, there we go. I figured we would line up on that one. Yeah, and you already said everything there is to say about it, which is, I think, is a show that's heart is really in the right place, like, the whole time, right? It just seems decent. Like, I think Andy Griffith is just a fundamentally decent person. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't... Even though Andy Griffith was very much ahead of his time on racial issues, the show isn't really, even though it's during the Civil Rights period, or even kind of post... It's post the Civil Rights Act, right? Because it's like 65 is the Andy Griffith show, right? Like around in 64, 65? I'm not sure what the dates Somewhere. are on it. was black Somewhere. When it quit being black and white, it quit being quite as good. No pun or anything, but like... Um, yeah, I know like six, 
I think 68 is when it switched from the Andy Griffith show to being Mayberry RFD, I believe. But even the last season or maybe two when um, uh-huh. um, uh, Don Knotts left and started doing movies mm-hmm. for Disney and stuff, The Incredible Mr. Limpet and yeah. The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, and I, I'm embarrassed to tell you how many titles of Don Knotts movies I can come up with. But <laughs> um, Yeah, he, he made the show in ways that I didn't realize until I saw some without him. Yeah, I mean, but like you said, it was character-driven. So, like, all those people were just kind of together on it. And I think it was just so, like, fundamentally decent. Like, because um, Andy was the policeman, but he never... He was never angry at anyone. It was never about people being bad. Like, even the drunk was a, a character in the show. The people who ended up in the jail were characters in the show. It wasn't about... There wasn't, like, a big thing about, like, punishing them or moralizing and stuff. It's like, Andy was just, like, a decent... Small town, guy. and he never carried a gun. And there was actually an episode right. where a TV crew came to film a thing about him about the sheriff who never carried a gun. And also, uh-huh. the Darlings were on it, who were in real life. Yes. Um, um, the um, why's their names not coming to me? Um, the the McCrory's? Uh, no, not Del McCrory. It was um, they did my old home place, right? Well, they did tons of stuff. I have the Dillards. Uh, who were from uh, the Ozarks rather than from Appalachia, but were still very good um, uh, bluegrass musicians. And um, and that was good. And Ernest T. Bass was very funny. All right. Oh, so that's your well, I have one other story opinion. I want to tell about Andy Griffith, yeah. which is Howard yeah, McNear had a stroke when he was doing uh, Andy Griffith. And there comes a certain point where he couldn't stand and walk around anymore. But they kept him mm-hmm. on the show, and when they go into the barber shop, he's always sitting in the mm-hmm. chair, and he doesn't get up. Right, right. And yeah. the fact that he kept him on and kept giving him work and all that when uh, um, after he was ill, it seemed like that was a very sweet thing, too. Yeah. We used to have an Andy Griffith like comedy album that I remember listening to all the time as a kid, like on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. And didn't he used to like whistling and stuff? Like I know the theme song's whistling, but I think he used to do it on his album, too. He did, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's my your three, my two. So, Chad, what do you got for number two? Number two, I will say it might be, could be number one, maybe in a, in a year or two, but uh, Atlanta um, with Don, Donald Glover in Atlanta. And I'm not going to see it yet. Well, it's only, I'm only putting it number two because I haven't seen all, I haven't seen every episode. Mm-hmm. Like, we're only about, like, maybe halfway through the first season. And it's mm-hmm. actually, it's really, I mean, I really, it's a short season. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's a short season. So, we, have you seen it? I have. have that's you? my number two. So we'll, I'll talk about uh, that with you about uh, it. <laughs> where Where can you watch it? Is my question. I don't know where to watch it's it. It's on Netflix here in Mexico. I'm not sure if it is in the U.S. or not. Oh, I'll check. Yeah, we. I think we're watching it on net. Well, we had. Well, actually, I'm sorry. We recorded when it was on. We had recorded it, and we just yeah. still have it. Rec- like we have, we just never okay. erased it. So we recorded it. So yeah. I don't know if it's on Netflix or not. It might be on Netflix. Yeah. But I watched so the very we, first of the first show, and I t- just didn't watch anymore. I just thought, I don't think this is going to be that great. And then I think it was actually when uh, Childish Gambino did uh, This Is America, I remembered uh, how much I like uh, Donald Glover, and I thought I should go back and give that another chance. And then after really just watching the first episode all the way through, I was really hooked and thought it was great. And it's it does the thing that... Uh, uh, Aziz Ansari does uh, to a lesser degree, but where he has shows that are sort of themed. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Like there's one show that is all a talk show with a um, black host and then the rapper character and a transgendered white woman. Uh, and um, it's just, it's very good. And there's commercial breaks and stuff in that. But it's the, it's just a half hour long show, uh, which I thought it was going to be an hour long for some reason. I don't know why. And I didn't realize how much it was a comedy. There's one that all takes place at a party, and it's just conversations at a party. So there's sort of, uh, um, yeah, there's a, there's different um, uh, processes and techniques for every show, and that's good. Yeah, I think that that's one thing I like about it that it's not, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not the same every. It's not the same every time. It's a little bit different. So it's yet, like the old X Files used to be when it was good. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. It. It's just. It's. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's not like the X Files. Uh, well, I didn't mean they're like searching for aliens. I mean that the good thing about the old X Files was that you didn't have to. It would just completely switch styles and how it was shot and and uh, the the entire tone of the show could change from week to week, which was interesting. And sometimes this one changes from moment to moment. And somebody, I asked him when I was trying to figure out whether I was going to watch it, I asked him whether it was a comedy. And they said, well, kind of. But I watched it and thought it was hilarious all the way through. And it's really harsh and uh, brutal even at places. But it's a comedy all the way through. It's just got teeth. Mm-hmm. So it's a teeth comedy. <laughs> yes, it's a comedy about teeth. So hey. The further along we go, we keep confirming the the thesis that Donald Glover is peak human evolution. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So like, I guess there's like super wind going on, and like a tree, big giant tree branch fell on my oh, roof. Oh, another and, one. Yeah, no, how not, many more can fall on your house? <laughs> not many. There's not many left, mm-hmm. but but we're okay. We're okay. I wonder if all the flooding last year has made trees more unstable. Hmm, something to think about, Chad. Hmm. Well, and actually, something that happens in res like my my brother in law, my step brother in law told me this that a lot of residential na- well, I guess maybe it's different. It's not so much in the woodlands, but in the, a lot of residential neighborhoods, they plant these they plant trees that grow faster and get bigger, yeah. and those trees have weaker root systems, so they're more oh. prone to blow over, like in storms. Um, I've just yeah. been teaching the social production of risk this uh, semester, so there you go. Yeah. For last week, there you go. We go always bet on black. Always bet on black. <laughs> so, were you guys done talking about um, what was your number two show? Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Or do you keep going about it a minute. No, I think that's. Um, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we've said. Yeah, I think it's. Okay. All right, so we've come back around to me and number one, and I get the feeling we're all gonna have the same number one show now because we haven't named it yet, and not only is it the best TV show about the South, it's probably just the best TV show ever. The Beverly Number Hillbillies. <laughs> Number one That's for right. me, the Beverly Hillbillies. Designing women. Um, it's not set in the South, but it's very much of the South. Uh, it's about you know what we all dream about, making it big by uh, shooting your gun, shooting <laughs> your gun in the wrong spot, hitting something you didn't mean to hit. And <laughs> it pays off. <laughs> It pays off. Uh, my actual number one is True Detective. True Detective. Yep. Uh, and the fun- the funny thing is, I'm not as down on the second season as most people are, but we don't even need the second season because the first season is so good. Uh, so, yeah, True Detective is my favorite show about the South. Not just because it's a great show, not just because it's so well acted and so well written, but it's so absolutely accurate. And I've talked about it on this show and to both of you a million times, but the 
the summer it came out, I was working on a going door to door survey about the BP oil spill, like out in all of the parishes, like out in the bio. And so uh, this show is so completely accurate down to like the stuff people have sitting in their garage, like the guy who has the buoy tire swing in his backyard, like all of that stuff is just so stunningly accurate. Um, even the, the, the villain, the ultimate villain saying, I got a contract from the parish, like all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> is just brilliant. And I thought that it's been commented on enough, but like just Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey really get the characters and kind of Woody Harrelson's like frustrated dipshit is who's kind of is per- perceptive, but doesn't want to be. And then, um, the Russ Cole character who is not quite as smart as he would like to be, which I think is something a lot of people miss out on. Like you see like these Reddit threads about like, uh, actually Russ Cole is wrong on this point of philosophy. It's like, yeah, that's the point. Like he's not a super genius. He would just like to be, he's a cop, right? Right. He's like a fucked up cop. Um, and yeah, I thought it, it utilized the location so well. It looks like Louisiana. It smells like Louisiana. The, the uh, I can't remember his name. The guy who plays the prisoner that they go to visit, oh yeah, in jail. Uh, he's actually a stunt man, but he gives. I love his whole accent about what's what about my wife, my wife. Like the whole accent he does is is spot on. So yeah, it's one of the best shows ever made. I'm looking very much forward to the next iteration, which takes place in the Ozarks, and not only. Um, I just blanked out his name. Nick Pizzoletta is that the writer? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, that's it. Uh, not only is he and he's from uh, Lake Charles right so not only is he on it but also David Milch is writing on it yeah David Milch um, and isn't uh, the Moonlight uh, is the Moonlight guy Mashara Ali is starring Mm -hmm. in it Mashara is that his first name yeah Uh, so that's going to be great they just filmed in front of my friends um, Nick Pizzolatto they just filmed in front of my friend's house in Fayetteville the other day so so it's happening I'm really stoked to see it it's happening, it's rolling, it's going to happen. I'm very excited about it. I think the Ozarks is a great setting for it, and I'm looking forward to it. So that's my number one, True Detective. Chad, on to your number one. Well, you know, someone once told me that life is, life is, short, life is, uh, life is just short enough to get good, at, uh, get good at a few things. So be careful what you get good at. So I thought I would get good at uh, True Detective being my favorite show set in the <laughs> South. Um, and... Yeah, I, hmm, yeah, like, when I first, like, yeah, it's very much, like, I don't know, I mean, it's, hmm, yeah, it's very Mm. much, like, small town, like, just every, it has everything. When I first, when I first watched it, when I first, I was like, oh, this is kind of, this would be an interesting show, Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey, and some, some sort of, like, was this X-Files, or maybe crime drama, and then I watched, like, the first episode, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is really good. And then I watched, like, the second episode, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is amazing, like, this is amazing. And then I watched, then I watched it again, I mean, then we just watched the whole, like, it was, like, must-see TV, like, we had to watch, we, you know, it was, like, a, we could not wait to see the next episode. And, and it was, yeah, just the, yeah, I thought, like, Matthew McConaughey did a great job, um... Uh, Woody Harrelson did a great job, like in everything, like the way like the story was constructed was great, and it was just 
amazing. And I've mentioned here on the po- on the on the podcast before that I think there was an exclude like when the, this show was out, or maybe for like maybe a year afterwards, my sister and I communicated almost exclusively <laughs> in uh, in uh, True Detective memes and uh, quotes and. And we still do. And we still do, yeah, still do to some uh, some extent. And then I, I was, and also this show, when I come back to it, I would watch it, you know, a lot of times I will watch a show and I'll be completely blown away by it. And then I'll go back and maybe watch it again. It's like, oh, well, this is good. But it wasn't like everything that I thought it was. But this, when I went back, it was like, oh, my God, like, this is like, this is like great. Like, this is so good. Like, this is like really good like it was really good like this is really good well why i'm gonna and it was just i felt this i didn't feel the same way i felt differently like on the first time i was very much like i was on uh i was on team i was on team russ first time around Mm -hmm. then on the second time around i was on team marty and then the third time around i was on nobody's team and actually the third time i think the third time i watched it was i think susan a friend of the show friend quote unquote of the show uh wanted to watch like oh i've i read i read a new i've read a very interesting new yorker article about true detective um what can you tell me about true detectives like well if we have time tonight we should watch this is it. the most susan story ever <laughs> yeah yeah like we should watch it like we should well i think it was like true detect i think season two was out like season two, it was the like season two was going on uh-huh. as we were at camp it's like oh i was reading an interesting new yorker article about true detective like season two and I was like, oh, well, you have to watch, like, True Detective Season 1. And I was like, okay, like, let's watch, like, let's watch the first episode. So we watched the first episode, as 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 usual, being highly productive at camp, being highly productive <laughs> after hours at camp, and watching it. And I watched it, and Susan was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. Like, we have to watch the next episode, like, right now. Like, I have to watch the next episode. Um, yeah. But... Not not to uh, jump in out of order here, but like one thing also with the show, like I don't get creeped out very much. Like I'll walk through the woods at night by myself. I don't believe in ghosts. Like I'm not. I don't get creeped out. True Detective creeped me the fuck out. Like I would be yeah. watching it in my house in the daytime with people in my house, and I would get creeped out because it was so effective at just being. I think it was the setting. Like they got the setting so accurate that it was like really messing with my brain. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say about it. Is yeah. that it's built out of, like you were saying, it's built out of the uh, all the details and the uh, yeah. realism of everyday life, but it mm-hmm. adds up to this big, creepy, gothic uh, sort of marriage of uh, right. the Dunwich horror with Flannery O'Connor, and um, mm-hmm. uh, some of it is just uh, little moments. And I, I think that one of the ways that they got away with some of the stuff that they put in was for Russ Cole to be slightly brain damaged so that you're not mm-hmm. quite sure what he's actually seeing and what right. he just thinks he's seeing. But Oh, yeah, he even says that at the first. He says he has hallucinations from all the drugs yeah. he did. And w- so you never actually know what he's seeing. Like when, he's, when they're at the uh, uh, broken-down church and all the birds fly mm-hmm. together and make yeah. the shape, and then there's an owl sitting there that nobody comments on and nobody seems to notice that there's an owl sitting there watching them while they're in the church. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, it builds a kind of um, uh, horrific um, fantasy, a horrific gothic fantasy out of uh, the material of everyday life in, uh, well, I think most rural places. It could have been in uh, North Dakota and everything would have been frozen and... Um, uh, Horrific right. in that way, but uh, uh, I think that the gooey swampiness of southern Louisiana 
especially fits to the whole uh, H.P. Lovecraft and uh, um, uh, that sort of Cthulhu sort of uh, uh, background that's going on there. And yeah, I think it was originally going to be set in the Ozarks, right? He originally written it to be set in the Ozarks. I'm not sure. I think maybe. Yeah. yeah, and then moved it to Louisiana. So I'm assuming it's your number one as well. It is, yes. Sorry, I didn't ask. Yeah. And the, uh, I was going to also say that um, one of the things about doing all of the textures and everything else is that when you have a movie like, there's another movie that's set in the South that people don't think about it being set in the South so much, Dexter. Dexter, everything oh, is yeah. so clean and so, um, like, sort of, it's a fantasy. It's obviously somebody's fantasy of... Uh, uh, serial killers and things like that. And you can look at the horrible yeah. stuff in True Detective and think this is somebody's horror fantasy of the worst possible thing. And then you read the newspaper uh-huh. on a bad day. And yeah. the only part, to, ironically, to, to me, it seemed like the only part that really went way outside of um, the believable was when they mm-hmm. briefly became a kind of cop show. Uh, when they're in, Where they fought their way through the projects. Yeah, when they're in Texas uh, uh, <laughs> shooting their way through the projects. And it was great cinematography, like one of the best tracking shots I've ever seen. Uh-huh. And it was very exciting, and it was re- very, really well filmed, and it was very good and all. Uh-huh. But it was also sort of briefly going into cop-ass superhero territory instead of cop-ass damaged... Um, uh, product of the system territory. Yeah, I always wonder about that scene, and I wonder if it was supposed to show that Russ Cole was like the actual real deal, like he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't just like a a fantasy. He wasn't just like boasting about his past. Like he actually did have that ability. He was just a nut job. Well, I also right. kind of remember it as being very close to like either the midpoint or the three quarters mark in Mm the uh, series and I think that they needed an emotional and sort of action peak there and that that was part of what they were doing yeah so maybe some other time we can do a deep dive on True Detective but I still have so many I've seen it I don't know how many times now and I still have like a lot of questions about it like I mean which I think is a good sign of the show and the depth it had number one being I still don't know what happened to his daughter yeah. Oh, somebody somebody yeah. hit her with a car. Did they? No, 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 not Russ Cole's daughter. What happened to Marty's daughter? Oh, yeah. Clearly something happens to her, yeah. right? But we never know. And then he says, like, directly, like, what is it? Like, the things that you don't see are what's happening right in front of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's really insanely creepy to me. And then I think we've probably had this discussion on Facebook or somewhere before. But, like, I think... A lot of people felt kind of sold out by Russ Cole's conversion scene at the end. Uh, but I find that to be more a product of the fact that Russ Cole isn't actually as deep as we're being shown to believe. And that maybe it isn't a complete conversion. That maybe, you know, Russ is just fucked up. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I mean, it didn't seem like that radical a thing to me. It seemed no, like... I don't think so uh, either. Well, he'd gotten his closure, and a lot right. of his um, right. uh, a lot of his bitterness and shittiness was about not getting the closure. Yeah, yeah. So, two two quick trivia about that: they filmed part of that in my neighborhood, where he um, where he steals the the stuff out of the the preacher's house, where he jumps over the fence and breaks no. in. And I think yeah. 
Uh, I think I rode my bike to them filming it because they were setting up a shot at that house. I remember I was riding my bike home from work and I was like, what are they filming at this house? Because they were filming from across the street. And I think that was the shot, probably. But a lot of stuff gets filmed at that house. The other thing is, my friends and their kids are in one of the scenes. They're in the school scene where the uh, the the bad guy is painting the school. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's the teacher, and her kids are some of the kids that are being let out of the classroom. But I didn't know them at the time. I knew it afterwards. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think everyone who, who likes that show should uh, visit... Uh, southeastern Louisiana and just drive around the bio a little bit and get creeped out all over again. Yep. I do it every year. <laughs> I do. I, yeah, me too. Uh, I do it most all the time. Um, I have a <laughs> question for you guys, and I, it's yeah. a sort of question. I'm as guilty as anybody of uh, asking a question because I want to give you my answer, but I absolutely sure. don't have an answer. What are you at a conference right now? But, yeah. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> what's the worst show set in the South? Oh, that's easy. Uh, Duck Dynasty. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Those dumb motherfucking Conners. <laughs> Shitheads. You know, I get... My favorite thing... About, I'm sure I've shown you guys my favorite thing are the before and after pictures of those guys. Oh, yeah, with them like on the beach. The, yeah, they're in Desta and like in khakis and like turquoise shirts with short hair taking pictures of their wives and then it's you like, were oh, no, we were rednecks from the swamp <laughs> you didn't feel an emotional connection when that one episode where they got in the guinness book of world records for the world's largest duck call <laughs> <laughs> that's the only episode i've seen of duck dynasty <laughs> i i feel an emotional connection for when they became a human centipede and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tried to make it off their property crawl as a human centipede um, yeah, that's probably though. What would be the worst fiction? Well, I guess that is fiction, but the worst uh, scripted. What would be the worst? Maybe that is scripted. Never mind. Maybe <laughs> something like uh, Petticoat Junction. That was pretty awful when it was. Um, um, I mean, it was just so bland and boring and like casually sexist and. Um, yeah, it had a great um, theme song though, so I guess it's not all. Bottom. Of the I ground. have. I have a problem with one show that's a very good show that's set in the South. Can I tell you about it? Yeah. Let's talk the show about is it. Justified. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And that. I like Justified, and I want to like Justified, but I had to stop watching it because it was so clearly filmed in California. So <laughs> they'll be driving, like, we got to get up in the holler and find out Mr. Cochran's place. And then it's like a desert around them. It'll show outside. And you know, like, the valleys in California are like these really brown kind of bristly trees, very wide valleys, and they'll be driving through one of those, and, oh, it's out here in the holler. It's like, you're, you're not in a holler. You're very clearly not in a holler right now. And I like Justify, so that's a, but that really bothered me the whole time. I, think yeah, I, I don't would, even, I'm not even sure what that is. I was able to suspend my disbelief, I think, <laughs> through that part. Because I actually yeah. have, I actually, actually almost, I... If I had maybe thought about it more, I would have put Justified somewhere on my it's list. It's a good show. It's a good show. Uh, and also, I I spent a lot of time in Harlan and uh, Cumberland, Kentucky, where some of it mm-hmm. is, and it's seen, and I kind of identified with some of the some of the folks in Harlan and Harlan County. And no, so I, I think it's a well written show, a well acted show. It's just for some reason that got on my nerves, and I couldn't sustain it. But I mean, Timothy Oliphant's great. Mm-hmm. And who's the other guy? Who's the guy? Uh, Walter Croggins. Is it Walter, Walter Croggins? Croggins is very good in it. Yep. 
David, you never see Justified? You probably like Justified. Maybe so. I, I have no it's idea what it is. Never it's the... Uh, Tim, Timothy Oliphant's a federal marshal? Yeah, it's Elmore Leonard. It's like a, based on an Elmore Leonard character, like novel, series of novels about... Uh, or maybe it's, it's just in a novel. Highland County? Yeah, said... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just a novel, but it's about a U.S. marshal who he gets transferred. Like he's, he's from Harlan, but he gets transferred, and he's been... He's a U.S. Marshal somewhere else. I think he's. I think in, on the show he's in Miami, but he gets transferred back to Harlan, uh, and he's basically pitted against, um, you know, them the Duke the, boys. Yeah, them Duke boys. Uh, the local clo- the close, the local uh, like drug king, like the local uh, bad meth guy. Kingpin. Yeah, the local meth kingpin, which is a guy who he went to high school, like w- one of his high school like best friends, and uh, somebody who was. He seemed like the Harlan is kind of punishment. Yeah, right? right. Yeah, he's kind of he's got a lot of issues, and so he's yeah, kind of he gets sent back to Harlan as, uh, yeah, as punishment and kind of as like one like if you can take if you can clean Harlan up, you know maybe we'll we'll let you go back out to like Buford Posser. Kind of yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. I'm surprised uh, Friday Night Lights went on anybody's list. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't see the show. It was uh, definitely on my either. movie list, but I never yeah. really watched the show. I never watched the show either, but I heard it's great. That's what I've heard. I don't like football. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I'm sure there's some really bad shows. I just can't think of what they are. Wait right? a minute. Well, they probably don't last very long if they're bad enough. I should have said I'm boycotting football shows. That's what I said. <laughs> Um, I did want because to mention, the actors uh, keep taking a knee. <laughs> a few of my favorite shows when I was a little kid were Southern shows, which were Flipper and Gentle Ben, which I watched. Oh yeah, every I morning. watched those when I was a kid. Yeah, and I love Flipper and Gentle Ben, and those are both set in Florida. There's probably yep. some bad Netflix shows set in the South now. Like there's probably. Um, oh yeah, I didn't think of Netflix shows. Is it? But there's some good ones. Isn't um? Is it Burn Notice? Is set in the South? Or uh, I thought that I was know. like my. Is that set in Miami? Maybe that's a Miami. Oh, that's supposed to be good. Miami. That's supposed to be a good. That's I mean, that's good. Supposed to be good. Um, I did a quick search. Uh, I did a quick search and about shows set in the South and Walking. The Walking Dead kept coming up as shows set in the South. Yeah, which I guess technically it's a show set in the South, but. It it is, and I, I thought about that. And there's some things I like about that show, and things I don't like about that show. But I stopped watching it a long time ago. So yeah, <laughs> um, I don't me know. too. Um, yeah, it kind of ran out of ran out of steam for me. Well, that's uh, that looks like it's the end of our show for this week. If that's okay with you, guys. sounds good. Um, that was well. thank you guys, and thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. All right, thanks, Wes. See you next time. See ya. Thank you guys.